On this week's Super Jump Podcast, we'll be talking about Early Access, the Xbox Game Pass, and more. Hello and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Wolf, and I'm here, as always, with Editor-in-Chief of Super Jump, James Byrne. James, what's up? It's January. It's mid-January. It was January before in the last episode as well. But now I feel like it's really, like we're in it. We're deep in January. <laughs> we're deep into January. Well, it's not going to make sense for anyone in the Northern Hemisphere, really, but here in Australia, we're, we're all just melting, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was saying this before we started recording, James, but it is actually also hot here in California, <laughs> solidly above. We're not even in the tropics in Southern California. Yeah. We're just regular Northern Hemisphere, and it's still super, it's super hot. <laughs> it's super hot, eh? <laughs> well, it's, okay, so it's not that hot, um, but it's hotter than I would like it to be, and it's definitely mm. hotter than room temperature. Uh, yeah. So... It's not, I don't know. I don't think winter exists. I've, I've not been given sufficient evidence. Um, so this is the Super Jump Podcast. We are, of course, a weather podcast, but this week I'd like to talk about gaming. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you, uh, for you guys. January this year has, uh, has been a pretty exceptional January already. We were always talking about like how last year was the best year in video games all throughout the year. Um, this is a really good start for for this year. Uh, yeah, I've, and, and correct stuff. me, correct me if I'm wrong, but January is usually pretty quiet, isn't it? Because everybody's trying to get their kind of major releases out before holiday season. Mm-hmm. So November, December is always pretty packed. Um, and January, you know, like everyone kind of goes into it expecting this lull, but it's actually been pretty busy. Yeah, it was it was uh, notable last year when Resident Evil Seven came out in January. That mm, was really weird. Um, yeah, but you're right. Traditionally, it's been like you can either make it for Christmas, or if you miss Christmas, you might as well just wait further until um, like like a spring rush or something like that. Mm. Um, but it seems like maybe the idea that you need to wait for Christmas or the summer or, or certain like big buying periods like that has always been unfounded because companies just seem to want to put their games out whenever there aren't other games to compete with. And that seems mm. like a good strategy so far. So now January and, uh, and like July and April, all the months that are usually pretty light in video game releases, they have a bunch of stuff in them now. Yeah. And, um, and I assume this is happening in the other territories as well. But here in Australia, like there's been a massive all month long um, January sale on PlayStation Network. And so I just imagine there's all these kids out there that got, you know, $10 in a Christmas card from their gran. And, <laughs> you know, they're, they're like gone and bought their PSN cards and they're going and buying up some sales there. So, um it, there's, this is actually a really good time to get some deals, and it's happening. I'm not sure about the Xbox Store, but definitely PlayStation and even Switch. Um, the the eShop in Australia has quite a few um, big discounts at the moment, so it's a good time to buy. Yeah, I was I was noticing on the Switch uh, eShop there are discounts that I've never seen the likes of yeah. in a Nintendo marketplace ever. They're, yeah, I saw a game for seventy percent off, and I I'm sure for Steam users and PSN users, that's like, yeah, I know that sometimes happens. It does not happen with Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. Oxenfree uh, over the New Year was seventy five percent off. It was from twenty dollars to five dollars. 
insanity <laughs> has never yeah. happened before unprecedented yeah. um so if you liked that if you liked that little discussion we just had, <laughs> uh you can subscribe to us whether wherever podcasts are found there's of course apple podcast that used to be itunes podcasts um on every iphone but there's there's also Castbox and uh, all those other ones. You can usually find us there because they usually just take the feed that iTunes takes. And so everyone has everything pretty much. So subscribe to us if you can and, and uh, follow us on social media where appropriate. And if you can, leave us a review. We'd like that. But this week, we're, we're talking about a lot of things. We're talking about what we've been playing lately. We're going to bring up a little piece of news and... Uh, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about early access games and uh, just what's up with them? What's going on with early access? I don't know. We'll find out. But first, here's the Playtime Report. So the Playtime Report is where we talk about what we've been playing since the last episode. James, what have you been playing? I've been playing Fortnite. More of Fortnite. I think... Um... I think on the last episode I mentioned that I just started it, like I just finished the tutorial kind of bit at the beginning, and now I'm like knee deep in Fortnite. Oh, wow. uh, and I'm and I'm even convincing other people around me to buy it so that we can play um, multiplayer. Um, I'm I reckon I'm addicted, Mitchell. Whoa. Whoa! It's it's really really good, and we'll go into this later, but. For an early access game, it's pretty damn polished as well. Um, so I'm Fortnite's my main gig at the moment, um, and I'm also playing Monster Hunter World, which was just unlocked um, uh, a couple of days ago. I think it was Friday in Australia, from memory. Um, I'd played the the two betas before the game came out, and I kind of had mixed feelings on it. I, I'm not a, a Monster Hunter um, fan. Like, I've never played a Monster Hunter game before. It wasn't something I was sort of massively interested in. But I saw Monster Hunter World at E3 last year, you know, thought that I'd give it a go when it came out. Um, and the thing about the betas, both of them, that kind of turned me off a little bit was the combat and the, the character movement. It felt a little bit... Um, it felt a little bit clunky and unintuitive at first, but having played, like I've probably spent maybe three hours on the main game over this weekend, and it, it definitely comes together. Like it definitely makes more sense when you actually, you know, play it from the beginning. Um, it actually does hold your hand quite well in terms of introducing you to all of these very, very complex systems. And it has a bit more of a um, of a narrative and and a story than I expected to see. So, I, I'll you know we'll see how we go. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's it's definitely seems like a good place to start for people that are newcomers to the franchise. I've been hearing that a lot of that. Um, I, I I know some friends that are into. They've always been into Monster Hunter, and they're of course getting into this game. It's it's exciting for them, but. On top of that, I've been hearing about people who really haven't picked up Monster Hunter at all before getting very into Monster Hunter World, and uh, that's exciting. I'm I'm right on the cusp of potentially getting it myself. I I feel like I just need a little bit more convincing, but I'm I'm right mm. there. Maybe a, a few percentages more toward likely to buy, and I will play it um, just right now. I've, I've found that there's a lot that I have to play through. Um, in addition to just my backlog, I've also been playing the uh, Sea of Thieves closed beta. Uh, that started on the 24th, as of recording three days ago. Um, that is a fun game when it works. That is a really fun game when it works. Uh, I, I've been playing with uh, a, a few people I know listen to the Super Jump podcast. Um, yep. So... Hey guys, thank you for all the the pirating we've been able to do to uh, do together. the The basic gist of the game, because I, I know a lot of people still kind of don't understand like what's actually happening in this game, is um, at, at least in terms of the beta, you get dropped off at a tavern, 
you meet up with your crew and uh you, you can either decide to crew up with friends or you can get paired up with randos it's it's all uh pretty standard xbox live party system stuff mm-hmm. um you you see a guy from an organization called the gold gold hoarders gold hoarders um, and he'll give you a voyage, and that's basically like a quest. Uh, it comes with a map or a riddle or something like that. And based on that, you have to set sail with your crew. Uh, and sailing is really fun and pretty difficult. Um, it's unintuitive, but I think it's kind of supposed to be. You're, you're supposed to be able to like get a, a mastery of sailing over time. Mm. Um and using that clue that you found, or or sorry, the, the clue you bought, you can find a treasure chest. And you bring it back, and that's pretty much all the beta is right now. Um, you can also find some, some uh, bonus treasure chests out in the wild, and those are super rare, but they exist. Uh, it's a cool game. It's a cool, it's a cool system. Um, right now, the beta is plagued with uh net code errors uh i i tried to play earlier today and mm-hmm. uh i i tried to play with my buddy snorkel the dolphin and snorkel he uh he and i i guess just couldn't be matched up at that time we tried pairing with other people um and that was fine and then we tried with each other and it it wasn't um and even in once i was paired up with someone in a game there would be stuff like all of a sudden I'm teleporting because like it has some problem uh I I assume it's it's some problem confirming with the server where my character's location is um based on like what the my Xbox thinks is true versus what the server thinks is true and there's all mm-hmm. this stuff like that um a, a, a lot of bugginess but I suppose that is what a uh, beta is for this is a true beta this is not just the game earlier like a lot of betas seem to be these days um but while i've been waiting in between see if thieves actually working um i've been playing celeste on on my switch uh that is a fantastic a fantastic game i'm only three uh three levels in because i only started earlier today when i uh tried to do play sea of thieves and couldn't uh james have you seen too much of this game I I've seen a little bit of it, um, but I've been reading the the reviews and watching some video reviews over the last couple of days, and the reception this game is getting is crazy. Like, I mean, we're, you know, there are very few people that are giving it less than a nine out of ten, um, kind of across the board, and there are a couple of ten out of tens as well. Um, I was definitely intrigued before, but. Having read through some of those reviews, I, I think it's just going to be a no-brainer, uh, a no-brainer pickup for me. Yeah, I um, th- those grueling kind of ultra difficult or at least ultra difficult seeming uh, platformers are kind of my thing. I, I like them a lot. Uh, mm. Super Meat Boy and and now Celeste. Um, I was going to lump Shovel Knight in there, but that's not correct, right? That Shovel Knight's easier. I guess Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze might be closer to this kind of thing. Um, so I expected my I expected to like it myself. I did not expect the the near universal praise that it's getting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's, it's a great game. It, it it reminds me of like a, the opposite of Downwell because you're you're always you you're ascending a mountain, aren't you, in Celeste? Um the 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 larger narrative is that and there are certainly a lot of levels that are mostly vertically based but there are also Mm. levels of the game that are more traditional left to right or right to left or uh Mm. it's actually i think i would consider it more like mini chunks of metroidvania-esque level design um where there's a lot of okay uh micro backtracking not a lot of like big backtracking through the whole level but uh a lot of secrets a lot of stuff like that um and yeah i'm curious did you you may not have had the chance yet since you just started but have you tried the assist mode at all because i've i've read i mean i've read that there is an assist mode and 
there have been some really positive comments around the way that's been designed. Um, and I'm just thinking ahead because I have no doubt that I'm going to need that at some stage if I buy this game. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's not quite my style. Uh, not to put down anyone who would do this. I think it's totally fine uh, to go for this assist mode. And mm. I, I think it's one of my favorite variations on the assist mode that I've I've seen in games. Um, so there's one that just makes you invincible the whole time. There's, there's like a few different kinds of assists you can get. Uh, right. One that makes you invincible the whole time. And I think that maybe that might be too much. Um, obviously, for, for their, different people have different accessibility levels. But I even still probably wouldn't recommend that one. Um, mm. Another one where... So in Celeste, your character, Madeline, she has an air dash. And... Um, that can basically be used as a double jump or a, an air strafe or uh, just a little more mobility in the air. One of the assist mode options gives Madeline um, infinite air dashes, so you can use it more than once. Uh, I think that still takes a lot of skill to pull off. Um, mm. So that that would be interesting to, to play around with. But my favorite version of the assist mode is just turning down the game's speed. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of tricks where you need to go like jump, dash, go through the thing, jump on onto the other thing, uh, be swept up by this conveyor belt, jump, dash, dash, dash again, and uh, if if you turn it down to like, uh, you you can turn it down in in ten percent increments if you go from a hundred just downward, and I think uh, I think it closes off on, on at fifty, uh, b- based on. I just played around in the menu for a little bit. Uh, I, I think if you go down to 70% of the game's natural speed, it'll be so much easier, but n- it doesn't actually tr- uh, change anything you need to do. So that's a pretty cool mm. assist mode, um, in, in my opinion, where the other mm. two might be more like uh, like what we've seen for Funky Kong and Tropical Freeze, how it's just uh, it, it, it just makes the game a lot less stressful. The stress of having to repeat a certain room over and over again very much seems to be part of this game's message, although I can't definitively comment on that because, again, I did just start playing it. But that's Celeste. Uh, yeah. It, the music and the aesthetics also sound great. People are probably going to be talking about the mechanics the most, but just it, it's a really pretty game as well. I, lo- I love it. Mm. So let's head into the newsy nibble. So James, did you hear about this? The Xbox Game Pass now includes all Microsoft exclusives as soon as they are released. (laughs) Yay, I did. Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty excited about this because I got... I subscribed to Xbox Game Pass probably... uh, Maybe I'm into my third month. Oh, really? And yeah, I thought I'd give it a go. It's, It's... pretty inexpensive uh, in Australia I think it's like ten dollars a month or something like that same here um, yeah and uh, it's you know it's one of those things the idea is great mm-hmm. um, I it was an excuse for me to play Halo 5 which I hadn't uh, I wasn't really interested enough to just go and buy the game but I thought oh okay you know if I can if I can access a few games on here I'll give it a go. I can play through it and move on to something else. Um, But at the moment, uh, and I don't know if the game offerings are different in in different territories, but the game offerings in Australia on Game Pass are pretty average, I would say. Um, There's not a whole lot of reason to dive into it at the moment. Um, But when I saw this announcement, I thought, okay, like this is actually now really adding a lot of value to this potentially, um, especially with some of the exclusives coming up in 2018. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually am not subscribed to game pass. I, I looked at the offerings um, again about a week before I heard about this news and I, I kind of had a similar reaction to you. I think if I, if I took the plunge and I did it, I think I would be excited to play some Xbox exclusives that I missed recently like sunset mm. overdrive um and recore they both kind of fall into that area that um uh, that you were describing with halo 5 i'm i'm pretty excited to play them i would play them if the only thing i was spending was time uh 
um, but so far that's not been the case, and it's not exactly enough for me to to, to take that plunge. But this is so. This is going to start on March twentieth, uh, and it's going to start with Sea of Thieves. When Sea of Thieves is released, uh, it will be the first Xbox exclusive released on Game Pass as well, day and date. This is pretty huge. Um, mm. This this means that if you're planning on buying more than two Xbox exclusives per year, being like if each of them are sixty dollars, uh, that would be one hundred twenty dollars. That's also how much this would cost for a whole year. This mm. is this is automatically a better deal. Uh, than that if you want like if this year if there's a forza game coming out later this year they haven't announced yet if you want sea of thieves if there's a gears of war if there's a halo on the way and if you want to try all those you can't not get game pass it's kind of it's kind of become that economically viable um yeah why do you think they did this desperation yeah (laughs) um i don't know i mean it it makes me wonder if like there's been a lot of discussion for a while about um you know subscription models in gaming and whether we will get to a stage eventually where we won't just be paying a subscription to access a game library but we might even be paying a subscription to access hardware as well um, you know, kind of like what you might do with a, uh, with a mobile phone or something like that. Um, I don't know if it'll go that far, but I, you know, I think Microsoft is, is clearly not in the position in this generation they were in the last generation. Um, and, and I think they're just looking for ways to catch up at the moment. Um, it, it feels like PS4 and Switch are kind of sucking all the oxygen out of the room for Microsoft, which which is a bit of a shame because like I was thinking about the value of this for me in the next year, even though it hasn't been very valuable previously. And I mean, for me, like there are, I counted five games that are Xbox one exclusive in 2018, hopefully all in 2018 that I really want to play. Which are they? And if, uh, so sea of thieves state of decay Two. Oh, okay. Um, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, um, The Last Night and Crackdown 3. What's The Last Night? If that is, uh, that was debuted at E3 last year. It's an indie game and it's like a, uh, Oh, is that the Blade Runner looking one? Yeah, it's the sort of Blade Runner looking pixel art slash 3D. Yeah. That is a controversial Um, pick. Uh, I think the game looks good. Um, mind you, we've had one trailer that was very carefully edited, so I I don't think that what we've seen is very representative of, you know, what the game itself will be. Oh, that's uh, um, that's actually not what I'm referring to. Uh, the oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to just to yeah. make sure um, our our listeners know what we're talking about, the the developer of the game said some things that could be construed as pretty offensive um i'm not gonna let i'm not gonna try to make up your mind for you if you want if you're interested in what that's uh all about you can check that out online i forgot the name of the game though so i i didn't that didn't come to mind um the game itself i mean i was excited about it before i heard all of that the pixel art looked pretty cool Mm. yeah so it you know it is one of those things that it it may when it when it comes to actually kind of getting hands-on with it it may not live up to its visuals from a mechanical perspective. I hope that it does. But, you know, so that's five games. Um, now, if they all do make it out in the next year and if they're all as, as good as they look like they should be, then Game Pass is a complete no-brainer. I mean, why would you... Um, unless you're wanting to actually collect these games and, you know, and kind of own physical versions or whatever... Um, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I was uh, I was just about to bring up that that physical point. Uh, to me, I've been waiting for Sea of Thieves for kind of a while now. It's it's a bit of a special game. It's the first uh, first game that I really reported on at at E three. So mm. um, so for me, I, I'd like to have that on my shelf. It's like a a thing. 
but uh, for mm. for everyone else, I'm sure that this is this is really exciting. And the way that uh, the way to get Sea of Thieves is, especially if you're gonna play it for like two or three or four months, just do Game Pass. Uh, mm. You can play it for five months on Game Pass, and if that's like you getting your fill out of the game, that's still better than actually buying the game, uh, which is a bit ridiculous. I'm just trying to figure out... We've talked about Xbox's strange marketing plan before. Um, I still don't understand it, but I don't understand it even more now. Um So I was under well, the impression that they didn't care about hardware sales anymore. Um, so they were trying to bank all of their success on software sales and software licensing. Um, mm. if, if you look at if you look at the Xbox One X and the cost to make it, it's actually more expensive to make each Xbox One X than the money they get from selling it. They, they're selling those at a loss. Mm. So. People are saying, which like, is pretty common. Yeah, people are saying, man, they're not selling very many, and I'm just thinking, do they even want to? Do they do they want to sell these consoles? Why are they doing this? Um, but maybe they were just trying to sell more Xbox One Xs, even though they're not getting money for that, just because that would mean more game sales. But with this, yeah. But with this Game Pass, now that doesn't even make any sense because. I'm paying $10 a month for things that I could pay $60 for. Um, maybe multiple times yeah, per month. That That's true. But I think, and, and and probably this opens up a bit of a risk for them. But if if they can, if this service can help them shift hardware, if this can help them to expand the, the user base, the overall player base, then it may... It may still be um, more viable for them because although, you know, per player, per game, they, they're effectively getting less money through this service, um, where they could stand to make more money than they otherwise otherwise might is if they really go for volume. So, you know, in other words, if there are a lot of people who, you know, look at those five games I just mentioned and, you know, they... They might, uh, they might not plan to buy any of them, for example. They don't want to pay the full price for any of them. But if Game Pass is an option, they subscribe to that and they can play them. Um, you know, if that converts them into being a customer where they otherwise might not be, then if you get enough of those people, it, it starts to make sense. But it's definitely, it's definitely kind of a risky strategy, I think, because... Um, they can lower the barrier to entry on the software side, but you've still got to buy the hardware. I'm, I mean, I'm guessing that they understand and expect that the vast majority of people are going to buy like an Xbox One S, for example. The, you know, the Xbox One X is going to be a more niche product, at least for a while. Um, maybe. I mean, it is the only console right now that works in true 4K, and as people are getting more and more 4k televisions they're going to want something to to display um you know to to really show the power of that that television maybe that's a hypothesis maybe they don't care at all maybe they're just getting a 4k television for uh for just nfl and that's it um Mm. but it seems like you would want something to push that and the idea of making the console more attractive with the Game Pass is, is is correct. I think it is more attractive. This is a balance shift for Xbox as a whole. Mm. But even if you buy more Xbox... If you sell more Xbox One Xs, you're still selling those One Xs at a loss, and then you're only paying for Game Pass. Which well, I, yeah, could be I better. Mean, I don't know if how it, that it, shakes out. I think it's a couple of things. It's the so it's <clears throat> it's getting more people buying Game Pass, but it's not just Game Pass. I think one of the things that all of these companies, whether it's Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, are really looking for, is to get that um, 
that stickiness with each player. So sure. I think the idea would be, you know, once you have an Xbox, once you've made that leap and you've got Game Pass, sure, you're only paying 10 bucks a month for Game Pass. But now there's the question of, oh, I need an Xbox Live subscription or I'm going to pay for DLC or I'm going to pay for microtransactions or, you know. So I think they, they want to get you in the door they want to get you seated seated down in front of their console. And once they've got that, once they've got you as a regular user on that platform, they can start to offer you other things. And it might even be, you know, in the form of movies and, you know, the various other content they offer. They want to get you there so that they can get other content in front of you. And so the chances are that, especially if you're a dedicated player of these games, you're going to ultimately be spending more than just Game Pass. You know, I think that's going to be one of their bets as well. They want to get you into their ecosystem. I have a conspiracy theory, and uh, it's... I don't... <laughs> I've probably just fed it as well. <laughs> I don't think I'm correct about this, but this might be... This is my current assumption of what Microsoft's all about right now. In the 90s, mm. Microsoft as a company was more popular and successful than ever, but they had a perception about them as every company seems to get a perception about them when they get too uh, successful, that they're this evil, Mm. very power-hungry, money-grabbing company. And that didn't help when they joined the console market with Xbox when they were already pushing their PC as a gaming machine. Um, So the Xbox One on has entirely been been written off by microsoft executives if it does well that's great but if it doesn't that's fine too because that's not what it's for it's literally just to make uh to make microsoft look like a more generous nice company than previously conceived to be um because if you look at them compared to nintendo and sony uh, microsoft is definitely the biggest company of those three but as, as console makers, I get a very different feeling from them, you know? As console makers, uh, Microsoft's made it very easy to make all of my uh, Xbox original and Xbox 360 games playable on the Xbox One uh, for free. If I have the game, I can just download that for free. Uh, I just put the disc mm-hmm. in, it recognizes which disc it is, and then it downloads the old, uh, like a like a ROM of that, and I can have it. Uh, Sony and Nintendo would never do that. They, uh, they've made a point to make me buy Super Mario Brothers and Crash Bandicoot many, many times over. Um, uh, yeah, and, 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 like, remember a little while ago, Phantom Dust was remade. That's, like, a really niche, uh, Xbox original game that Microsoft executives seemed to just really like. They wanted to reboot the game. They just made a remake of it and gave it out for free. And one of their biggest exclusive titles, or their their biggest first-party titles, not exclusive, is Minecraft. They've just let anyone produce <clears throat> Minecraft. Like, it's on Nintendo, it's on Sony, it's on Mac, it's on everything. Um, and they've been spending the whole console generation just being nice, and it seems to have not helped them but like they're that's just all they're about right now they're just being nice they took they took feedback they uh they found uh they found gamers that were saying hey you're just making rare do connect games they were doing this huge adventure style game before uh that's not cool don't make them do a connect sports and now phil spencer who i think is like the key to this strategy of just looking nicer um he's come out and said okay no no no, no. rare you can do like the rarest thing ever and they made a pirate mmo um, cause that is the rarest thing that exists. Um, uh, it, it's, I don't think they're a business anymore. I think they're just like running a popularity contest. That's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, what, what they're trying to do is create value and, and they're trying to create value because, and, and I like the way that Nintendo put this a while ago, uh, when someone asked them, you know, do you see, PlayStation as your biggest competitor or Xbox or, you know, it was kind of a very limited question. And and Nintendo had this comment around, um, they said, look, 
if you think about the amount of hours you have in a day, any individual person, a certain amount of those hours are going to be effectively, you know, free time or leisure time. And what Nintendo's aim is, is to, is to capture at least some of that leisure time for their platforms. So in a, in a sense, they are competing with anything in the living room that is vying for your attention in your leisure time. And I think that's what Microsoft's doing here. They're trying to create value. They're trying to create a point of difference. And even though you can look at individual cases and say, oh, well, they're going to lose money on that. But they're, they're ultimately in it to make money. So what they're, what they're trying to do, I think, is get everybody in the door. They want to get you in the door. They want to get you as a subscriber. Um, you know, they want to get you into their ecosystem because once they do that, they can, they can keep making money. It's going to sound um, very mercenary. It's, I don't think it is that mercenary. They can keep making money off you for a period of time. You know, they want you as, a, as, an, audi- as an ongoing audience member. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I think each of the three companies in this generation, more than in the past, each seem to have quite different ways of going about that. They, like, a lot of people complain about there being so many, um, you know, multi-platform releases and that all the consoles kind of feel the same. And I don't really buy that. I think each platform is actually offering something quite different. Yeah, I would agree with that, Um, especially because Sony, well, this kind of goes against what you just said, but Sony does have a similar thing called PlayStation Now, but PlayStation Now doesn't hold a candle to Xbox Game Pass Now. Um, Now Mm. that Game uh, Game Pass is kind of just everything that Microsoft does exclusively, I I wonder if PlayStation Mm. is going to have to change their 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 now program or maybe invent something different or uh, maybe just get entirely away from the games as a service uh, like space and try to capitalize on what they do differently which is uh, they definitely have I, I don't think it's it's that much of a hot take to say PlayStation has better and more exclusive games than Xbox does these days um mm. and uh they they aren't used to that because during the PS3 era that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh Xbox 360 had all of the Mass Effects and BioShocks as uh exclusives to begin with. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that's been the newsy nibble. Xbox Game Pass now includes all Microsoft exclusives as soon as they are released. But if you don't want to use the Game Pass, you can still go to the store. Maybe you go to the mall. And you want to buy a Nightmare Before Christmas pajama set at Hot Topic. Jump up in the air. This week's Hot Topic is Early Access. Um, early Access is a huge, huge thing in gaming right now. Um, just in our Playtime report, we talked about Sea of Thieves beta, the Monster, uh, Monster Hunter World, which just exited beta and is now uh, full release, and Fortnite, which is also currently in beta. And they... It's so it's so weird. It used to just be um, like demos. I remember there used to be all kinds of PS One demos uh, you could get at like anywhere. There were Pizza Hut dem- uh, like PlayStation <laughs> demos where you could play Metal Gear Solid for the first time and and stuff like that. Do you remember those? Maybe you didn't get those. Uh, yeah, no. We I I used to love demos. Um... Yeah, we used to get them in, same as you guys in, um, you know, a lot of the official magazines right, yeah. would um, would have demo discs attached to the front. And half the time I would buy a magazine just because it had a specific demo on it and I was basically paying for the demo rather than the magazine. Um, I I kind of miss those days, actually. Yeah, it, it's, it was a really cool thing, but in the age of digital distribution, there's... Uh... There's not, unfortunately, there's not much of a reason to give you a disc full of a bunch of different kinds of demos, and maybe even mm. there's no reason to bundle different kinds of demo, demos together, because you can just pick and choose everything you want, and maybe even there's no reason for demos as was previously done 
because uh, one, they're much harder to make nowadays because they need to be like crafted from the ground up to be their own experiences. Uh, and and two, you can just do an easy access or sorry, not easy, early access instead, um, and still make tons of money on it. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds mm. was the best-selling game of last year, probably. I didn't check, but that sounds right. <laughs> it has a certain degree of truthiness to it, and it was in early access until um, until mid-December. So it didn't even come out. It only spent one half of one month last year being out, and it was still the best-selling game of the year. Fortnite, another contender mm. for like probably in the top 10 best-selling games of last year, uh, is still in early access, but you can buy it at a store. You can go to a store and pick up a disc called Fortnite and pay for it full. You can pay for it in full, and then you just have it, which is ridiculous. And they still don't consider that out yet. Um, You've been playing a lot of Fortnite. Does it feel early access? Uh, well, compared to PUBG, it doesn't, um, but, <laughs> <Okay>. you know, <laughs> I, I was playing PUBG on, on Xbox one. So I was getting the, um, you know, I was getting the worst experience of PUBG versus say playing it on a PC. Um, Fortnite feels Fortnite at the moment kind of feels more like, um, one of those games where they say it's beta quote-unquote beta but you're actually just playing it a little bit early kind of like the monster hunter world example where you know the second beta of monster hunter world ended i don't know a week or less than a week before the game actually came out so there was no way really that that was a true beta i mean you know they might have made some adjustments from a network perspective or something like that but the game was pretty much done um fortnite feels amazingly polished for an early access game and you know the fact that it's in early access on playstation 4 is kind of testament to that because um as far as i know uh one of the reasons PUBG is not on ps4 at the moment aside from microsoft's involvement is that um apparently sony have a much higher threshold for Um, for what they will allow on the platform in terms of, you know, the completion of the game and the the general state of the experience. Uh, Um, Really? Yeah, they... Yeah, apparently they're a bit more restrictive. I know one of the developers, one of the PUBG... I don't know if it was... um, I can't remember his name. The creator Um, himself. Player unknown. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was the one saying that. That's Um, interesting. It was in... Yeah, it it was in the context of like, you know, someone was asking about, uh, will we get a PS4 version? And and the answer was, well, yes, we hope to eventually, but Sony Sony aren't quite prepared to be as experimental as Microsoft in terms of releasing something really, really early that's still clearly very unstable, um, which is interesting. If I remember correctly, though, Um, the Xbox version came out after the 1.0 on PC... I don't know. That doesn't sound. That doesn't smell quite right. But maybe that's the case. I don't know. Uh, I'm well. The the Xbox One version. I'm not sure if it was. That sounds right. That it came out after the 1.0 version. But um, my understanding is the Xbox One version had a lot of problems that aren't present in the that weren't present in the equivalent PC release at the time, um, just due to, you know, all the work they were doing to port it over to the Xbox One platform. Mm. Um, so I think, I guess my, my general take would be that um, it's important, like if you're interested in playing a game that's in early access, uh, it's important to go in with your eyes open because there are big differences between, as I say, you know, a Fortnite experience where it's kind of feels like the finished retail release more or less versus a PUBG, which is 
you know, you, you feel very much like you are a beta tester playing that game. It's definitely playable. It's definitely a lot of fun on the Xbox One. But, you know, you have to be prepared for things like um, hard crashes and massive frame rate drops and major texture pop-in and things just not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fortnite is in a much more advanced state than that, definitely. Yeah, I was... Um... I, I was talking about the uh, the shortcomings technically of the Sea of Thieves beta earlier. I might have made it sound bad, but it's still nowhere near um, playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, even the PC version. Sometimes it, it's got some stuff going on. Some would argue that that game is still in early access, regardless of whether or not it's mm. technically 1.0 or not. Um. So other other games uh, that that have been big in the news this month are are Dragon Ball Fighters and Monster Hunter World. Uh, their betas came out and they they were very short betas that happened right before the game was released. Those were almost completely expected, and maybe maybe yeah. it's just we live in an era where if your game has any online connectivity at all. You you just can't release it without testing it with the mass audience. Um, just just you need to know how the servers work, and it's going to be different every time, which is yeah. weird. Um, be, because well, I, I'm sure that didn't happen with World of Warcraft back in 2004. It would have been weird if World of Warcraft um, had a had a beta period, but. I, I can't imagine well, them going uh, back I, and, I, and and doing a whole period like that so early, and now it seems like it's all that happens. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm I'm not as familiar with World of Warcraft, but one game I did play that was kind of a contemporary of World of Warcraft was um, Guild mm-hmm. Wars, and and that had a a really extensive beta period. Um, months before the game came oh, okay. out um and even nintendo with splatoon you know they right. did the uh, well splatoon and arms actually they did um kind of network testing periods for those so i think i think what's happened is it's it's become good practice to do that because if you have a game that especially if you have a game that really relies on online multiplayer um the last thing you want is to have the game be released and on day one you have massive network issues that could take a while to kind of diagnose and resolve. Um, you, you know, you if you're a big publisher, you just can't afford to do that. You, cre- you would create such bad will around the game that it takes a lot to recover from. And one example I'm thinking of, and it, it, it wasn't so much to do with network problems. Part of it was that and part of it was a very restrictive always online system but do you remember when the the latest sim city first came out the last one that maxis right developed? yeah i do um it was always and, online a lot of people didn't like that yeah and it had massive massive network problems to the point where it took Maxis and EA months to recover and they were scrambling to patch the game. Um, they were having to worry about um, giving thousands and thousands of people refunds. I mean, that experience was so bad um, that that's got to be an object lesson in how not to launch oh, a sure. game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So they did not have a beta period as a, before they started? I'm I'm not sure if they did or not, um, but when they launched, they it, it seemed to be. I mean, obviously, it was a it was a big surprise to them. It the, the system was so bad um, that the game just completely fell over. I mean, their servers were completely overwhelmed in the first twenty four hours, and you know there are a lot of things you can do. Um, internally in terms of simulating that sort of thing. Um, you know, there are a lot of things I'm sure they probably did do, but at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. You know, you have to get it out there. You have to 
you have to kind of um, let the rubber hit the road and do real world testing mm. before release. Um, otherwise, you, you the risk is really high that you'll release something that just collapses. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, some early access games... Well, okay, so f- saying it like that kind of phrases early access like a like a exclusively a testing period but a lot of gamers are anxious to get in there and they they want to be playing it they don't necessarily care that they're testers or some do but they're, they're willing to put up with it anyway um in in my opinion that sounds like something that the tester should at least um not have to pay for if not get paid themselves for doing that work um but that is that is almost never the case Nowadays, uh, Fortnite, you got to pay for. you got to pay to get into Fortnite, even though when it releases in full, it's supposed to be a free-to-play game anyway. Um, I believe... I, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe the Dragon Ball Fighters beta was open to people who pre-ordered it, if I remember correctly. Uh, that is the case oh, okay. for Sea of Thieves closed beta, although there were ever other ways of getting into that beta other than pre-ordering. Um, do you think it's all right for companies to charge for beta experiences? Um, yes, but I think, I I do think it depends. I mean, so I, I don't really get the idea of charging money in the beta period and then making something free to play on launch. That, that really doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but and I do think that, um, you know, I, I can understand um, companies saying if you've pre-ordered, you can access the beta. Although, again, I find that a little bit weird because surely if you do what Capcom did with Monster Hunter World and you just make the beta free to everyone, you're yes, it's a beta, but really it's more of a demo. Sure. I mean, really, you're trying to entice people to buy the, the way, game. Um, the way the um, Monster Hunter World beta worked was... Uh... There were only... Is this correct? I didn't play it myself. There were only, like, three different main monsters you could hunt, uh, and each of those was its own quest. Is that right? Yeah, they... That's right. So they basically gave you snippets of quests that are in the main game um, that were... In the beta, they were much more time-limited than they are in the main game, and uh, from memory, like, you know, you didn't have access to all of the the tools and items and features and all that sort of thing. But you were getting a you were getting a pretty good flavor for what the moment to moment experience of the main game is like. Hmm. Um, I mean I guess that the main thing I would say about it is um, there are really two things. One is and I don't know how developers do this without scaring people off, but part of it is being really transparent about the experience that the players likely oh, to have, especially, you know, especially if they're paying money. So I've read some people online really upset that they've bought PUBG on Xbox One and they're finding it unplayable and they don't get why people like it and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know if, um, I don't know if the developers or, or Microsoft could have been clearer about the state of the game. That's probably debatable, but you know you can always argue that if you're jumping into an early access, you've got to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that's a problem if you're charging money. I think you you need to be as transparent as possible about what that player is going to be getting for their money. And the other thing is, um, I think you should definitely be charging a lot less for a beta period or an early access period than the full release. And and for the most part, that seems to be the case. But, um, you know, as you said before, you're, you're, yes, people are getting some value out of the game early. They're having a fun experience, but they are also the guinea pigs. Yeah. So they, pro- they should probably be a little compensation for that. Yeah, and, and there's stuff like for every... Uh... For every hour someone has fun in a game, maybe they have an hour just trying to work with a really unresponsive system, and there's no guarantee that that's not going to happen. And in in a in a beta testing environment, that is exactly what is actually supposed to happen. Um, 
Like, you're mm. supposed to find bugs. That's how they know they're there. That's how they know they can fix them. Um, maybe it, maybe this is a problem not with the industry, but with the gaming community. Um, if people weren't necessarily so eager to basically test a game for free, uh, companies wouldn't charge as much or even at all for their their closed beta but the demand is there so the supply has to meet it um so finally how do you think someone should go into an early access experience do you think they should only do it if they're willing to put up with those you know all those bugs they may find or all of that um gameplay that's not yet balanced or or uh do you think you can just go into an early access experience and expect a good time and that's fine. What do you think? Uh, look, I, I, my advice to anyone thinking about this, especially if you haven't done it before, is two things. I mean, one is definitely go and read up on the current state of the game. And, you know, usually one of the best places uh, that I've found, and it probably depends on the game a little bit, is to go into, like, um, a subreddit about that particular game where you have... A really active community that's talking about it and talking about the major issues you'll get a sense pretty quickly about you know the state of play at the time and the other thing is to to watch people playing it on youtube or twitch as well um i guess you don't want to sink a ton of time into doing all that preparation but it's probably good to at least be generally aware of what you're getting into beforehand. Right. And no matter what the developer or publisher tells you, you know, there's nothing like the actual played experience. So I, I think you owe it to yourself to do that first and then make the decision. But regardless, you know, if you're getting anything early access, you have to be prepared for the fact that you're going to have, you're going to be seeing bugs and issues that, that people probably won't see in full release. There was a there was a study a while back that might have contributed to the uh, lack of modern demos for games that basically showed you can have a lot of people try a demo and it does not actually increase the number of people who end up buying the full game at least most of the time. Um, mm. I wonder if there's a similar non-correlation for early access players and the full game. Um, if it can be put off of a game by playing the early access and then just not buying the full game when it comes out or anything like that. It'd be interesting to see. I have no idea if that's true, but uh, it certainly could be. I could see that happening. Yeah. Um, and, and because there's such variety in early access experiences, um, you know, it would be really interesting to know how many people actually kind of drop off when the full game's released versus... Because I imagine what happens is a lot of the time if you jump into an early access experience that you mostly like, um, you'll probably stick around for the full thing. And usually you just get the full game anyway. You know, like whatever you're paying up front is usually, um, is usually granting you access to the final right. release anyway. Yeah. James? Oh, yeah. sorry, I thought you cut out for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's going to do it for the Super Jump podcast this week. Thank you so much for uh, sitting in with me, James. It's been great. Uh, if you want to contact us, maybe be read on the show, you can write in to us at podcast at superjump.online. We, uh, we had some feedback on that line just a little while ago. James, you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, look, I um, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to mention the person's name because they, um, th this, this feedback came through kind of a weird pathway. Uh, it didn't come directly to our super jump email. Um, it, it came to me through other means, but it is a listener that I have never met and don't know. So <laughs> it's like that one person that's not a family member listening, which is really nice. Um, and, and basically they, they just said that, um, they find that a lot of game podcasts are kind of a little bit like over the top in terms of um, 
what did they say? Uh, either annoying teenagers or hardcore nutcases. Yeah, cakes. I think that was the and language. Mitchell, you, <laughs> you'll be happy to know that we don't fall into the hardcore nutcake category. Or, or teenage I'm, category. I'm excited about that. Or teenage category, yeah. yeah that's Although true. that one wasn't, we, wasn't we necessarily are... hard to not be part of. That was more of an automatic <laughs> age out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so thank you. Um, but, you know, we... Yeah, yeah, that that's really sweet. It's it's really cool to get that feedback. Thank you. Yeah, very again, much. if you want to be uh, read on the show, if you want to give us feedback, even if negative, even uh, if constructive, you can do that at podcast at superjump dot online. At the end of every show, we like to give out our after school activity suggestions. After school activities are things that you can do in between episodes of the Super Jump podcast because this podcast does only come out once every two weeks uh i will go first my after school activity is to check out they might be giants on youtube uh they're doing a thing called dial a song they might be giants are probably one of my favorite currently active bands um but they are they've been around for a really long time back in the 80s when they started out they were doing a program called dial a song which was basically a phone line that you could call and they would have a new song playing like any old time uh, they've modernized that idea. What they're doing now on YouTube is they are uh, writing, producing, making a music video for, and publishing um, a brand new song every week this year for the whole year. Um, and, cool. and the music videos are, are crazy some of the time. Um, so check that out. I, I think it, it's really cool. And uh, again, some of my favorite music, so I would definitely recommend it. Awesome. Um, I, I'm actually going to cheat a little bit here and give two recommendations. The first one is kind of really self-serving. Um, I just want to say to anyone listening to this who, who hasn't listened to the last mid-jump episode, please listen to that episode. <laughs> it's all about the Super Mario Brothers movie, and I have uh, massive nostalgia for that movie. And the episode was really, really good. It, it had a lot of like insight into the details of the movie and how it was made that I had not heard before. So I really recommend that. That was a really good job. Well done. Yeah, thank you. I had, a, I had my buddies Milo and I am Gibbon, also known as Other James, on for that episode. And uh, they, they are just aficionados of this movie. They were pulling out all types of like stuff from one of the earlier uh script treatments and the novelization or the audio play <laughs> that all came out to uh market alongside the movie and it was it was great i thought the the mid-jump episode was uh really fun so thank you for recommending that i would also recommend that people check that out yeah really really good and and they were really really awesome guests as well um and my other recommendation is another youtube channel uh, it's called Hard for Games, <laughs> and basically, long and short of it is, they mostly do videos about retro gaming stuff, which I'm always into. But the the stuff that's kind of particularly unique about them are that they look at um, unreleased games. They do um, what they call Beta Quest videos, so they go into like old uh, N64 games. And they actually hack them and look at kind of hidden code. And they bring some crazy stuff up on screen that's actually included in the game code, but that the player can't access, you know, through usual means. So that's really cool. And they have a lot of content on the 64DD, including okay. some, some games that like um, were unreleased or incomplete they've found ways to kind of boot up some of those games and show you what they would have looked like on the DD. The DD is one of those really bizarre accessories that I wish I owned. Um, so if you're into that kind of stuff, especially the more obscure Nintendo stuff, um, I highly recommend that. That sounds cool. So you can subscribe to us on whatever podcatcher you use. You can review us on iTunes. If you do that, if you would please do that, uh, that helps us out so, so much. It just makes our, our search rankings a lot better. If you uh, write a little review for us, suddenly 
you can just type in super jump and we're the first thing that comes up because I don't even think we're the first thing that comes up there. If you if, if you write enough, you can just type in super and uh, that'll be a that'll be a good goal. I want to be the first podcast that comes up when you type in super on Apple Podcasts. It will uh, it will never <laughs> happen. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a good, very high aspiration uh, for for us. Uh, tell a friend, write a blog, uh, paint a mural that illustrates how you feel <laughs> about just yourself and video games when you listen to the Super Jump podcast and paint that on the side of a Walmart or a Toys R Us. Toys R Us is probably better than Walmart. They're getting up, <laughs> they're going out of business. Uh, they won't mind. So if you do all that stuff, we'll be your best friends forever and, and ever and ever. So we'll jump at you next time. Stay super. Stay <laughs> super.